And so today we're starting a series called Journey of Life. And what we're going to be talking about is the different stages of maturity along the way in the Christian walk. And it doesn't matter which stage you're in, I want you to know up front that God has a specific uh, heart for you. He's got a unique talent for you to be able to walk into. He has specific purposes and love for you right where you're at. It's interesting that the Bible calls us not just to believe in Jesus, but to be fully devoted followers of Jesus. And there's a big difference in believing in him and being a fully devoted follower to him. The Bible said something, I read it one time, and it kind of really put it into perspective uh, for me. I hope it will for you. I just want to tell you what it says. It says that even Satan and the demons believe. And I don't know about you, but I want to do a little bit better <laughs> than Satan and the demons. It says even they believe that, that Christ is the Son of God. They know he is. But there's a difference in just simply believing in him and being a fully devoted follower of him. Um, and the Bible clearly says that not only um, are we supposed to be fully devoted for, to him, but it kind of defines that being fully devoted to him means that there is a process to maturity as we go along in life. Um, and I just have to know, if, if I spend my life following God's son, God of the universe, if I spend my life following him, then I'm probably going to learn a few things. Would you say so? And so we get this understanding that, you know, loving God and following him is not this one-time decision, but you're talking about the God of the universe who has infinite knowledge and love for you and for me, that if we follow him, we're going to be better as life goes on. And so it's not just about believing in him. It's about being a fully devoted follower of him. And when we do this, we understand that the Bible says that it's not a one-and-done deal. It is a lifelong process. And so we're going to talk about that. What is this journey to Christian maturity look like. And over the next six weeks, we're going to talk about the different stages uh, of, of maturity. Um, and throughout the series, we're going to check in on Rachel and Laura and see kind of how that journey's going. Um, but before we talk about their journey and before we talk about my journey and your journey, I want to take a second and define what a fully devoted follower of Christ is because we're wanting to know what that looks like. And so I want to kind of tell a story and, and give it a little bit of an illustration. Um, a while back, I went on a long five-mile hike uh, with a buddy. Um, it was during the summer, and I was looking forward to being in the outdoors. I love to be outdoors. I love the trees. I love just God's nature. It's beautiful to me. And so anybody who's been hiking before, and even if you hadn't, you can kind of understand that when you go hiking for that amount of time in the, in the terrain uh, that we were going to be hiking in, you got to plan. You can't just go do it. You got to have, you know, some of the right clothing. You got to have some of the right gear, but not, not too much because you want to make sure that you're not too heavy walking around. Um, so my buddy shows up and he's wearing skinny jeans, a polo shirt, and some Converse shoes. And I was waiting for him to change. I'm like, all right, we're just, I thought he came from work. He was going to change. He's like, I'm ready to go. I said, no, you're not. You look like you're getting ready to go to the mall. What is up, man? He's like, no, I can do it. I said, man, when you told me you'd been hiking before, I, I didn't know you meant like the YMCA track. You know, I thought you actually <laughs> knew what you were doing. So our, our goal was to go five miles through some pretty rough terrain. Um, and we get less than a mile in. I knew this was going to happen. We get less than a mile in, and he is absolutely miserable. And he wants to turn around. He wants to go back. Uh, he didn't enjoy it at all. He couldn't focus on the task of, of the certain section that we were in. Um, he definitely wasn't thinking about getting to the end because he was never going to make it to the end. And I knew it. All he could think about were the blisters on his feet um, and the permanent wedgie that he had because of the skinny jeans, which probably still isn't out. It's probably still there. Um, the <laughs> The fact is this, he was on the trail, but he was not on the journey. 
He, he was on the trail with me, but he wasn't prepared. He didn't have the mindset. He, didn't, he couldn't enjoy or attach himself mentally and heartfelt to the journey because he wasn't on it. He was physically on the trail. He wasn't on the journey. And similar to that, just because we take part in religious activity when it comes to the church, it doesn't mean that we're on a journey with God as a fully devoted follower of Christ. When you're not fully devoted to God, you, you, you do the bare minimum. You do. It just happens naturally. You're not bought in whenever you're not a fully devoted follower of Christ. And when it gets difficult and when it gets hard, and trust me, it will because that's just the nature of life, you get miserable. And that's when people quit, is when they're not on the journey with God as a fully devoted follower. They're just kind of on the trail um, doing some religious stuff. So before we talk about the journey, I, I just need to ask the question, and, and I'm going to ask it to myself, and I want you to ask it to you. How do I know that I'm a fully devoted follower? How do I know that I'm on the journey with God, and I'm looking to Him, and I'm desiring Him, and not just on the trail, not just participating uh, in, in some religious activity? So there's, there's three ways that I'm going to talk about really quick um, about how I know I'm a fully devoted follower of Christ. The first one is this. I can say I've been reborn. I've been born again. If I'm a fully devoted follower of Christ, I can say I've been born again. Now, I understand that might sound strange. I totally understand. It's, it's what we call, to, in some circles, Christianese. You ever heard of that? It's like nobody understands that unless you've been in church for your whole life. And so I get that. That, that sounds weird. Um, but if it makes us feel any better, there was a dude in the Bible that thought it sounded really weird too. And he actually asked Jesus, what are you talking about? And the guy's name was Nicodemus. Say Nicodemus. Sounds like the guy from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Remember that? Some of you? Okay, never mind. But Nicodemus was a, this widely known uh, theologian, and he approached Jesus one night to ask him some questions. Now, understand that Nic Nicodemus spent his life studying the law, abiding by this law. Not only that, but he taught the law. And this is the essence of what he taught. If you want to get to heaven, you've got to work for it. You got to do all this stuff, and then you got to work harder, and you got to do more religious activities. And this is the essence of what he would say you got to do a bunch, a ton of good to a lot of people. And then at the end of life, if you've done enough, then maybe you can squeak in and get to heaven. Bottom line is, is if you want to get there, you got to do it on human effort. That was the essence of what the law was. Nicodemus had this, this mindset, and he taught that. And so when Jesus comes along, and he's teaching something completely different. Nicodemus wants to go and talk to him. You want to know why he, why he believed in Jesus, or at the very least had an inkling to go talk to him? He said, because you're doing all these miracles, and they're powerful. And I know that you're from God, because nobody could do the things you're doing unless they were from God. And so he said, I, I want to know what this is all about. And Jesus responded to him. It's interesting. John chapter 3, verse 3, is, this is Jesus' response to Nicodemus. I tell you the truth, unless one is born again, say born again. He can't be in God's kingdom. Now you talk about freaking somebody out, much like the looks I get, you gave me a second ago. Born again. And Nicodemus is like, what does that mean? I'm old. <laughs> he said, how am I supposed to go back into my mother's womb and be born again? And he, he, Jesus wasn't talking about a physical birth. And it kind of freaked him out, but he kind of leaned in. And Jesus said, I'm talking about a spiritual birth. It's different. And kind of explain, have you ever seen somebody who's different than they used to be? I want you to think about that for a minute, because I'm not necessarily talking about they've changed a few habits, or they said they were, and then they kind of went back. I'm talking about somebody who is different, and you know they're different from the inside out. I'm kind of using this, this vague kind of language, but you know what I mean. You see somebody, and they're not the same person, not the same man, not the same woman they used to be. 
It's not because they've changed some habits, but because their insides have changed, their habits followed suit. Is, are you tracking with me? That's the difference in somebody's spirit changing and somebody just changing habits. That's the difference between somebody doing a talk and actually being born again. And this is what Jesus says to Nicodemus in verse 6. He says, a person's body is born from his human parents, but a person's spiritual life is born from the spirit. And then he, he I love it how Jesus just lays it out there. He said, don't be surprised when I tell you that you all must be born again. He's saying your physical birth is like the entrance into your parents' family. But the birth I'm talking about is entrance into God's family. It's something that happens on the inside of you, and only God can do that for you. Nobody else can do it. No amount of effort on your part can do it. No amount, because your grand, grandma and grandpa were, were Christians and they had a great heritage, that they, they can't do that for you. Only God can do that for you. And he was completely busting the law of the day. He's saying it's, it's not about human effort, but Jesus said it's about my effort and what I'm getting ready to do for you on the cross. And it, it blew Nicodemus' whole system of thinking. And if I'm being honest with you, it blew mine. And if I'm being doubly honest with you, it blows yours because we're human beings and we get jolly when we think about doing something for ourselves. But when we come to the place where we say, you know what, the very best I have to give still isn't worthy of a perfect God. The best I have to give is never going to be worthy of a perfect heaven. I mean, can you imagine getting to, to the end of life one day and standing before this perfect, holy God, and he says, on whose merit should I let you in? What are you going to say? And when we get to that place where we're like, I'm out. <laughs> I have nothing. The very best I had, the Bible describes it as the very best that we have is like filthy, disgusting rags compared to what's worthy enough to get into heaven. And Jesus is saying, I loved you so much, I came to die for you. That when you really believe in me, your spirit changes in an instant. It's what he calls being born again. So how, Nicodemus, I, I, we don't know how that meeting ended. We don't really know a lot about Nicodemus after that. Now, we know this, he shows up several chapters later after Jesus died. Him and one other guy helped kind of prepare Jesus' body for burial. He, he actually goes there. Now, there was a big stink around Jesus' death and everything that happened with his crucifixion. The whole town was split. Christians were running. The disciples scattered. And here Nicodemus is. His counterparts are the one that were responsible for killing Jesus. And now he risks everything he has to go and be a help to him. That's what you call all in. Something happened to Nicodemus from that moment until we find him again. And I can tell you what happened. His spirit was born again. And so a fully devoted follower of Christ just isn't on the trail doing religious activity. Something's changed in their spirit. And that's called being born again. So they can say, I'm, I've been born again. The second thing a fully devoted follower of Christ can say is that I've settled the authority issue. I've settled it. And the mark of a fully devoted follower of Christ has an understanding of who has the authority in their life. I, I want to tell you a truth, and I want you to really lean in and listen. You can't have fellowship with a superior being apart from total obedience to him. I'm going to say it again. You cannot have fellowship with a superior being without a, uh, being in total obedience to him. Now, some of you, that rocks your world. I remember how it rocked mine, because it forces us to answer the question, who's going to be the authority in my life? And there's all kinds of answers that we can come up with. Ultimately, we want to say ourselves, because ultimately we have the decision to make. But it, it kind of comes in various forms. Our parents, our peers, uh, you may say your teachers or professors or your boss or some expert that you're looking to for advice. But at the end of the day, we're all human and we all fail. At the end of the day, we all get to the place in our lives where we need answers and we can't find it anywhere. And in that case, where do you go? 
Who has the ultimate authority in your life? And I just want to tell you, for me, a long time ago, I decided that Jesus Christ was going to be the authority in my life. I decided that, you know what, I don't care what has to happen in my life. I ultimately want him to be the one that's in charge of me. He, he knows my heart. And, and I told him a long time ago, I remember having this conversation. I remember where I was. I said, God, I will do anything that you tell me to do. And then I got really scared after I said it. Because I'm like, oh, God, he's going to make me do some crazy stuff. I just know it. Because that's what we think God does. He just delights in making us do crazy things. But then I said this. You know what? I, I'm not always going to, I'm going to wrestle sometimes with whether it's you because I am human. So God, I'll do anything you tell me to do. Just let me know that it's you saying it. And, and I'll do it. The bottom line is this. I, I want God to work in my life and have the final authority. And sometimes it's a journey in our minds to understand that, yes, it is in fact him that's saying it. But the Bible says he doesn't hide himself from those who are seeking him. He genuinely wants to, to let you follow him and to lead you. So when a, when a spirit has been born again and when a heart is leaning into God, he's going to come to you. He will speak to you. He will let you know. In your life, in order for things to work, in an orderly fashion in life, authority has to be established. You need to understand that. In order for things to happen in an orderly manner in your life, authority has to be established. The military understands that. We have a lot of military folks in the room. You understand, without commanding officers, you really don't know what to do. Well, let me say it a different way. Without commanding officers and ranks, there's chaos. And it's the same with any trade. It's the same with any boss. It's the same with any work environment. There, there has to be authority that's established in order for there to be order. And so when it comes to our Christian walk, there has to be authority established in our life, and that authority is Jesus. And so a fully devoted follower understands that, you know what, I'm not perfect, but I'm going to aim my heart at God. And I'm going to say this, just like the psalmist said in Psalm 139, search me, O God, know my heart, test my thoughts, point out anything that makes you sad, and, and lead me along the path of everlasting life. A fully devoted follower of Christ says, I'm not perfect, God, but I'm yearning for you. I'm leaning into you. And if there's anything in my life that doesn't need to be there, show me what it is. I don't want to live my life off a list of rules and checklists, but I want to live my life heartfelt and pouring out to you. And even when I don't know what I'm doing, I'm going to be right there at your feet asking because I want you in my life. That's a fully devoted follower of Christ. They can say, I've settled the authority issue in my life. I want to say this again. You can't have fellowship with a superior being apart from total obedience to him. Who's the authority figure in your life? You got to answer that question. So fully devoted followers of Christ, they can say, I've been born again. They can say, I've settled the authority issue. And thirdly, they can say this, I'm committed to growing to full maturity. They understand, you know what? I'm never going to make it when I'm in this life, but I'm committing to grow. I'm committing to be mature as I go along. So what is maturity? You know, because we can define that different ways, um, and we all define it different ways. You ask one person if they're mature, they say yes. The other person looks at them and says there's no way. <laughs> so what's, what's the mark? Well, here's how we're defining maturity, and we're going to define it this way throughout the series, being at the appropriate level of development for every stage of life. Being at the appropriate level of development for every stage of life. There's different stages of maturity, but as long as I'm, as long as I'm mature being at the stage I'm at, as long as I'm being faithful for where God has me right now, then I can consider myself mature. Listen, if you're six, you can be a, a mature six-year-old. A six-year-old can use the bathroom by themselves, right? A six-year-old can tie their own shoes. A six-year-old knows how to get themselves dressed for school, for the most part. 
um, may not match all the time, but they can put their clothes on, right? A six-year-old can, can be mature, and you can look at them, the six-year-old and say, wow, that's a mature six-year-old. Uh, but if you're 15 and you're still working off that same list of accomplishments, then you probably are going to be in trouble. Uh, the comedian Jeff Foxworthy said one time, there was, a, there was a, a, one of the neighbor of his, the kid was looking up at the sky, and he was going, airplane, that's an airplane. And he said, well, he ought to be able to say that. He's 20, you know. <laughs> so it, maturity is relative depending on where you're at. If you're six, you can be a six-year-old and be mature. If you're 15 and you're still acting like you're six, then the, it's different. It's the same way as we grow as believers. When you're just starting out, maybe you're, you're committed, but you're still learning. You're still trying to figure this out. You're, you're figuring out what the Bible says. You're moving in your faith slowly because you're still kind of testing the waters and, and you have questions. But when you've been following Jesus for a year, you should be maturing as a Christian, wouldn't you say? Your joy should show. You should be more kind to people. You, you should have more peace and more self-control in your life. Um, not that you've reached the end, but your life should look as if you've been following Jesus for a year. Maturity and devotion are not the same things. When I am devoted to God, that happens in the beginning. I say, God, I'm committing to you. I'm fully committing to you. I've made a decision to follow you. I'm, I'm devoted to you. But maturity is being at the appropriate level of development for every stage of life. It's growth. It means that I am in a process. There was a, a nurse that I heard about uh, a while back, and, and she had 20 years of experience of being a nurse, and she was looking for a job. And so she put that on her resume, 20 years of experience. And the boss kind of hired her on the spot based on the experience and some of the things that she had. Well, after a week went by, uh, the boss kind of realized really quickly um, that she wasn't up to date with uh, modern techniques. She didn't know anything about the modern machinery. And so he called her in the office and he fired her. And she said, what in the world? He said, well, you lied on your resume. And she said, what do you mean? He said, I've, you said you had 20 years of experience. She said, I do have 20 years of experience. He said, no, you don't. You have one year of experience that you've repeated 20 times. He said, you, you, you can't go through life like that. Listen, a, a nurse that hasn't matured in 20 years is no good to anybody in a hospital. Why do we think it's different when it comes to our souls? God longs for us to follow him, be a fully devoted follower, and that means maturity as we go along. Uh, being a fully devoted follower of Christ is not an event. It is a journey. It is a process, moving through various levels of maturity and growing and developing uh, as a believer. Um, fully devoted followers of Christ, they understand that there are measurable goals along the way, and they're goals that God puts into our lives. And they've also decided that, you know what, I'm not going to be satisfied being stuck. I, I don't want to stay in the same place. I don't want to get into a rut in my Christian walk. Uh, so many people I see, I, I have this phrase that I use, and, and they, it's called, living today off of yesterday's knowledge. And that means God speaks into our life or something happens spiritually, some significant event, and we feel it, and we're excited, and God's doing something. And then we go the next, I don't know, week, two weeks, sometimes months. I've even known people to go years, and they're still living and thriving off of what God did so long ago. And they haven't grown one bit. And I'm here to tell you, God has wisdom and love and knowledge and blessing and maturity that he wants to pour into your life every single day. It's not a matter of, is God going to speak? It's a matter of, are we going to seek? Are we going to seek God? God speaks all the time. Are we going to seek him? Don't live today off of yesterday's knowledge. Fully devoted followers of Christ say, you know what? I'm going to move forward. I want to hear God. 
I want to walk forward in, in this life with him. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Uh, l- listen to this verse, and then I want to ask you a question. He says, but grow, say grow, in spiritual strength and become better acquainted with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's the question. Does that sound like a suggestion to the church or a command? Grow. <laughs> Some people think it's just optional. He's saying, listen, I want you to grow. I want, this is God's word to us. Get better acquainted with him. Fully devoted followers of Christ on this journey, they, they understand that, you know what, I've got to make a commitment to grow. And I want to be at the appropriate level of development for every stage of my life. And throughout this series, we're going to look at five stages of spiritual maturity. And we're going to address one in each message of this series. This morning, I just want to introduce to you what those are and kind of just give you a a brief description of the time that we have left um, and kind of describe them to you. Um, At the end of the series, we're going to give you a tool that you can use to kind of help you um, understand and and get a little bit of insight as to where you are maybe. But I, I want to say this right now before I go any further Um, you don't need to compare yourself to where somebody else is. Because I want you to know that wherever you're at in your spiritual maturity, God meets you right where you are. I don't care how you got to that place. I don't care if you failed all the way to where you are now or or if you've been a Christian for 20 years and you feel like you're at the top of your game spiritually. Wherever you are in between or at those extremes, God loves you right where you are, and he does not want you to be anybody but you. God can take beauty from the mistakes you've made. I don't know how he does it, but in all things, he works together for the good, those that love him and called are called according to his purpose. Only God and his sovereignty can do that. Or if you're, you've been a Christian a long time and you feel like you're nailing it, God can still lead you. He can still show you places in your life where you can be better. So, but don't compare yourself to where somebody else is because that's like the, the opposite of growth in your life. Let, let's talk about these for a minute. Here, here's the five stages. The first one is a seeker. A seeker. Every believer was once a seeker. And what that means is, is that we didn't necessarily have faith in Christ. We haven't given him our life yet, but we're looking. We're trying to find the answers. And some people come to this stage uh, through, through different veins. Some people come because there was a tragedy in their life and they're looking for answers. Some people come to this stage because, like we saw in the video, someone just invited them to church. Um, and they don't really want to go necessarily, but maybe they got here and they, they felt something. Um, I talked to somebody recently who left a church service, and they said, I don't know what happened, but I cried the whole time. You know, and, and seekers, they don't necessarily understand the, the truth of what's happening in their life based upon God's Word, but they know something's happening. And I said, well, that's, that's God trying to hook up with you. you know, <laughs> this, is, this is God doing something in your life. He's reaching into you. And, and so seekers are, are kind of like this. They're at the point where they realize they want something uh, bigger in their life, and they don't know what it is necessarily, but there's got to be something bigger. There's got to be someone maybe that, that, that's bigger. They, they realize something is missing, and they start to look for it. Whatever the reason they're seeking, I don't know, but I want you to understand that if you're a seeker here today and you haven't crossed that line of, of giving God your life and believing in him, I want you to know that you're welcome here. I want you to know that this is a church that you can belong in before you cross that line. Uh, you, you may have, have, have heard us uh, talk about this kind of thing, but our, our goal is to welcome everybody here that's on a journey towards Christ, whether you're a seeker or whether you're a new believer or whether you're far along in the, in the, on, on the journey. You're welcome here. And we want you to know that our goal is to help you. Um, after seeker, there's what you call an infant. 
And this is a, a, a new believer. This is the, the point where a person says, I know I need a relationship with Jesus, and I want a relationship with Jesus. And we use the illustration of an infant because the Bible does. Uh, they're much like that. If you think about an infant, an infant needs care. An infant needs help. You know, they, they need feeding. They need, they need someone to help them along the way to survive. And this is true of a new believer. Time has to be spent showing a new believer the things of God, kind of explaining some of the scriptures. Um, they need to be taught sometimes just where to start reading in their Bible because they don't know. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, Paul, one of the guys in the Bible, he's, he started a bunch of churches, and he's writing letters to them to keep them going. And there was this church in Corinth, and he says this to them. He said that we should feed new believers milk <laughs> because they're like infants. It's easy to digest, and it's smooth going down, right? Um, and then later on, let them get to the meat later. Let them get to the, the deep biblical truths later. But at the beginning, they just need to understand basic biblical truths and build a foundation for their faith. Um, so if you're a new believer here, listen to me. You're welcome here. I'm so grateful that you're here. There's a place for you, and we want to help you along the way. Um, after an infant, you have a teenager. That's a big jump, right? Uh, but if you think about what a teenager is um, in, in life, they're not infants by any means. They can kind of do some things for themselves. They can care for themselves. Um, if they're hungry, they know where the food is, or maybe they're driving and they know where the McDonald's is. Um, they can be trusted with some responsibility. Teenagers can. Um, how many parents do I have in the house that, uh, maybe it's just me, every time I hear the microwave door open, I freak out. <laughs> I'm like, what are they doing? You know, uh, that's kind of like what teenagers are. Um, when it comes to following Jesus, we're talking about believers. They're able to begin to reason biblical principles. They're able to understand this stuff. They're understanding uh, the importance of having a quiet time with God and prayer time. Uh, they may not be consistent with it, but they do it, and they're there. Um, but they're struggling with some of the strongholds that are still in their lives. Um, they're struggling with, with some of the things maybe they used to deal with, and they're trying to figure out how to get through with it, um, trying to deal with lifestyle issues. Uh, one of the biggest mistakes the church ha has ever made is pretending that just because somebody says they now believe in God, that all their problems just go away, and somehow they're supposed to be this super Christian that doesn't have any issues. That's ridiculous, because they go back to their lives, and they still have some of the same people surrounding them, maybe some of the same environments, and their insides have to grow. Their, their spirit has to grow, and God wants to take them on that journey. And, and when you're a teenager, uh, using that analogy, um, in your walk with Christ, you still have some of the things in your life that you're still trying to get through. And the church is supposed to come alongside. Um, teenagers in Christ are trying to find their niche in the church. They're trying some different serving opportunities and trying to figure out where they belong. Um, that's a teenager. And then after that, you move into the stage called an adult. And we think we've reached it then, man. You're right. I just want to throw the whole thing under the bus right now. This ain't the end, <laughs> okay? Uh, adults, if you think about what an adult is in life, they're a, a productive human being um, in terms of being grown up. Uh, they're in society. They're earning a living. Um, they're providing a home. They're making a difference in the world. Um, typically, they've overcome immaturity. Paul said one time, we've grown up, right, in all things um, into God. When you think about the spiritual life, an adult has a healthy relationship with Christ, a healthy relationship with the, with the church. Major strongholds in their lives have kind of come down through Christ. They've been able to work through that with the church surrounding them. Uh, they've found their niche, and they're serving somewhere, and they're joyful. Um, but there's still one part of, of spiritual maturity, one stage left, and that's a parent. And, and this, this is where it gets different. This is, this is where it becomes not just about you. This is where it becomes about the people that God is putting around you to pour into. And this is where we all should attain to be. 
Every one of us. If you think about a parent in, in real life, they, they're reproducing offspring with their own DNA. They are, most of the time, concerned with the child more than they are themselves. They want to make sure the child has what they need, and they'll sacrifice for, for the child. Uh, they'll sacrifice time. They'll sacrifice money, energy. Um, how many of your kids have come up to you like mine do and say, hey, I need X amount of dollars, and you're like, what? And then by the time it's over with, you end up doing it because you love them, and you want to make sure they have what they need. This is what parents do. Um, they, they bend over backwards for their kids. They guide them. They provide for them. Um, when you have a parent and w- with their kid, they'll protect them. <laughs> they, they certainly will. They'll correct them. Any parent would do that. And so when, you have, when you're in this stage spiritually, uh, you have spiritual parents who share Jesus with other people, and they actually lead people to Christ because they've captured the heart of God, and they know that God, as our ultimate spiritual father, wants to, wants to rally people around him and get people to heaven. And he uses us to do it. He matures us to the place where we can actually pour into others. Um, and they have this deep concern, spiritual parents do, for, for, the, for the church, for younger Christians in the faith, especially the infants and the teenagers, and they're willing to sacrifice for them. Spiritual parents are, are willing to sacrifice time and energy and finances into helping them grow. I remember uh, several years ago, there was a guy that popped in my office, and I didn't even know he was coming in. He actually popped his head in and looked at me, and I was like, who are you? I didn't say it. I was thinking it. And um, he, he looked at me and said, I need help. And I said, okay. Um, in fact, the, the door was supposed to be locked at the front of the church, but somebody the day before had forgot. And so he popped in, didn't know who he was, held his water bill up, and he said, I need help with this water bill. And I said, well, Okay. And I felt the Holy Spirit immediately say, this isn't a church thing. I want you to handle this yourself. So I said, all right, come on in. So he came in, sat down. He was flustered. He was frustrated. He said, listen, man, I'm just going to be honest with you. He said, I was one of the biggest drug dealers there was. And he named the city. It was far away from here. And I was like, okay. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, what is getting ready to happen here? And he said, but I stopped doing that. And I moved far away to get away from that crowd. He said, listen, I'm used to having about $3,000 in my pocket in cash. He said, but I want to follow God, and I want to do this legit, and I need help, and I'm struggling to make my, my rent. I'm struggling to pay this water bill. Will you help me? And I knew God had told me to handle it myself. So I said, well, how much is your water bill? And he named the thing. It was like 20-something dollars. And I said, okay. So I stopped what I was doing. We got in my truck, and I said, I'll, I'll ride you down to the water department. By the way, if anybody ever asks you for money in a situation like that, and you feel God is, is wanting you to help, Follow God's voice, but listen to your pastor. Meet the need. Don't just hand somebody some money, okay? Everybody nod your head. <laughs> Unless God is saying do it. Now, he trumps me every time, but that's just a little bit of word of wisdom. Um, and so we went down there, and, and he begins to share with me on the way how much he's struggling. He said, I've, I've, I'm, I'm trying desperately. He said, I'm trying to find a job. He said, nothing is clicking for me. Um, we paid the water bill. The next day, I see him riding down the road on his bicycle. And so I stopped, and I said, hey, man. He said, hey. He was so mad. I said, where are you going? He said, I'm going up the road. I said, well, put your bike in the back of the truck. I said, let's ride. I'll ride you up there. He got in the truck. He was sweating bullets. He was so tired, and he was so frustrated. I said, what's going on? He said, listen to me right now. He said, I am struggling so bad to make ends meet. I feel like I'm working overtime to pay bills, and I feel like I'm overtime working to, to, to try to find a job. He said, if I don't find a job today, he said, I'm going back. And I was like, Whoa. everything in me wanted to go the other direction because I found out just recently during that time that he was also a registered sex offender. 
but I know God was telling me to stay. And, and I'm thinking, okay, God, this is, you're going to do something in this guy's life. And I don't know why, but you're using me to do it. And so I, I prayed with him. I said, listen, I said, I'm going to help you do whatever I can. I called some people. I spent some time with them. Uh, I even tried to find some odds and ends jobs that I had personally that he could do that I could, I could pay him for. Spending time. He came up to me one time. He said, listen, I, I need to ride up to so-and-so. Um, can I borrow your truck? And I was like, you nuts. I didn't say it. I was thinking it. By this time, I had developed a rapport with him. Um, and I remember thinking to myself, okay, God, you're going to have to help me on this one. And I need you to answer me in about four seconds because he's looking at me right now. And I just felt this peace come over me and say, you know what? Pour into his life. God's saying, that's my truck. <laughs> I said, yeah, you can borrow my truck. And so he borrows my truck. He brings it back. He ends up, long and short of it, he ends up getting a job. He ends up providing for his family. He ends up getting, having a fiance and getting married. Guess who was at his wedding? <laughs> Me and my kids were there. Um, he ended up being a close friend of mine and I hear from him from time to time. God's not interested in us growing in maturity and faith just for us. Here's what I wanna tell you. God wants to use you to pour out to other people. He wants to use you. He wants to pour into you life and blessing. He wants to show you how good he is, not just so you can sit back and be blessed, but so that you can pour out and be an influencer to every person you know and to every person you meet. When God knows your heart that's fully devoted to him and following him, he will move you through these levels of maturity and he will do it for the purpose, not just saving you, but pouring other people into your life because he wants to entrust them to you. You don't know it right now, but God has somebody that's somewhere who needs him. They, they need him desperately. And yeah, God could come down in visions and dreams. He could come down personally if he wanted to. But the Bible says that he uses us. He uses the church. He uses his people to be able to show love. And, and I just want you to know that there might be a little bit of a gap right now from where you are to where you need to be. And God is in his sovereignty. When, when you get to that place, he is going to put that person in your life. It may be somebody like that. It may not. It may be somebody in your own family. But you're going to mature to the place and grow in your journey with Christ to where you become exactly what that person needs. Now, that may sound really bad to you because you feel like, you know what, I've got a lot to do in my own life. But I want to change your perspective for just a minute. This isn't about them being blessed here on earth or you being blessed here on earth. This is about somebody's eternity not going to a, a hell and being able to go to heaven. You're talking about not just whether or not we're able to do things on this earth. You're talking about an eternity separated from God or not. And God is saying, I want to use you in such a great capacity to be able to rescue them. God wants to do that in you. What is maturity? How do I get there? Listen, it's being at the appropriate level of development for every stage of life. You may think I could never be that. Let me tell you something. If you are a mature, fully devoted follower of Christ, that has nothing to do with how many years you've been doing it. <laughs> but it has everything to do with you being the very best that God wants you to be right where you're at. God's desire is, wherever you are, to grow. That's it. Grow. In fact, I want to read one scripture, and then, then we're going to go. It's Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. This is Paul, the guy that started all the churches in, in the Bible. He's writing this to them. And he says this, he's speaking to us today too. He says, and now, just as you trusted Christ to save you, meaning just as you had that beginning experience with him, he says, trust him too for each day's problems. 
He says, you know what? There's going to be days that go by. There's going to be life that goes by. Trust him in the beginning, just like you did that, and then trust him as life goes by. Live in vital union with him. Listen to this. Let your roots grow. Let them grow down deep in, into him to draw up nourishment from him so that you go on growing in the Lord and becoming strong and vigorous in the truth that you were taught. Let your lives overflow with joy and thanksgiving for all that he has done. There's this command, there's this idea, there, there's this, this thing that he wants to pour into our hearts and in our minds. Don't just stay where you're at, but grow. There is this life that God wants to bring into you. And this morning, my, my challenge to you as we get ready to leave is simply this. Will you be a fully devoted follower of Christ? Will you be somebody that says, I'm not content just being on the trail, but I'm content and want to find life and being on the journey with God? I don't just want to be there doing the religious activities. When it gets difficult, I'm out, drawing my boundary line somewhere. But I want to be on the journey with God. No matter what stage of maturity that you're at, I, I want to be on the journey with God. That's my challenge to you. And maybe as you think about that, am I a fully devoted follower of Christ? Have you been reborn? Are you different in your spirit? Have you settled the authority issue? Have you committed to growing to full maturity? Have you done those things? Because if there's any, if there's any rub with any of those, then it may be an indicator that you're kind of holding back that you may be on the trail, but not actually on, on the journey. And that's not an indictment to anyone in the room. That's an encouragement to you. I hope you hear it that way. Because God's desire for you is to be a mature believer, fully devoted to him. And that's when we find ourselves holding his hand and walking into the most beautiful life we've ever had. Come good, come bad. I didn't say what, it, what the circumstances were gonna be because they're gonna be different at times because life is life. But holding the hand of my savior, <laughs> there, there's no greater peace that you'll ever have the knowing that you are in the will of God. It has nothing to do with circumstances. Have, have you been reborn? Have you been born again inside? Have you settled the authority issue? And are you committed to growing to full maturity? Our prayer team is going to come now, and, and I just want you to stand with me. And, and if any point today, maybe you've thought about this stuff, these points, maybe you've thought, you know what, I, I need help. I want you to know that uh, Bobby Ann's here. She, she can pray with you today. And as I pray, I, I want you to consider this. I want you to think about this. I want you to contemplate it in your mind. And, and if, if there's a rub with any of these, I want you to understand that you don't have to walk out of here the same way that you came in. And God can walk out of here with you, helping you. You don't have to be perfect. That's what God's for. He was perfect for us. But you do have to commit to him. I wonder, as we pray, would you be bold enough to say yes to him today? Can we pray together? Lord, everybody in the room and everyone that's listening to my voice right now, I know that we're all at different stages. We all have different backgrounds and, and different histories and different upbringings. Lord, but the one thing that your word says that can unify us all is Jesus Christ dying for us and all, having us all on the same journey towards maturity. And we might get there from different ways because we all have different circumstances, different struggles, different temptations. But your word says that, that Jesus went through every single temptation that was known to mankind, but yet he was perfect in them and didn't fail. So you identify with each one of us. Lord, we've heard today that your desire for us is to grow. So I just, I just pray a bold prayer right now that if anybody is stuck in any of these stages that we talked about just briefly tonight, 
If anybody is, is stuck in any of them, I, I, I pray right now, God, that you would call them out. Let them be just a complete discontentment where they're at. Let there be restlessness when it comes to being stuck and in a rut. And I pray, God, that you would show yourself to them as the answer. Not just because I said it, not just because we put some scriptures on the screen, but because their heart is being pulled to you. As the God of the universe, you made every single person. You know everyone by name. Your word says you know us so intimately. This is a crazy thing, but you, you actually know the amount of hairs that are on our head. That's intimate. <laughs> Lord, if, if there's anybody in the room or, or listening that has not settled the authority issue, they haven't been reborn in their spirit. They haven't committed to growing to full maturity. Maybe they've been far from you. Maybe they've been out in left field. Maybe they've just not chosen you, whatever that looks like in their lives. I, my, my prayer right now, church, if you're listening right now, is, is, to, is to, if you be bold enough to say yes to Jesus. God's got great plans for you and he loves you. And I, I'm gonna pray a prayer. I wonder if you'd pray this prayer with me. I encourage you to do this. God, I need you. If I was perfect, I wouldn't need you, but I'm not. Jesus, I know that you are perfect. You're God. And you came to this earth to die for me, to be perfection in my place. And today I choose you. Today I, I want to be reborn in my spirit. I don't want to be the same person. The very best I have is nothing compared to perfection. And I want to take you on in my life. I want to be reborn on the inside. God, more than that, I, I want to commit to you. I want, to, I want to settle the authority issue in my life. I want you to have not just the, the, the title of Savior in my life, but I want you to have the title of Lord. All the things that I've, I've tried to, to work on myself, God, I, I just want to put that in your lap. I look to you. Help me. And I commit to growing. I don't want to be stuck, but I commit to growing. I, I, I commit to maturity in you. And I know that's not something that I pretend to do on the outside. That's an inward change that happens as you take me from stage to stage. I commit. Now, I just want to say this, because this is probably what we're all thinking, God. I have no idea how I'm going to accomplish this. <laughs> this is the beautiful part, Lord. You do. You know. You're all, you have all the wisdom. You have all the knowledge. You have all the power, and you're perfect. So we don't have to know the answers right now. I'm, I'm going to pray that prayer at church. I, I wonder if you'd be bold enough to pray it with me. I don't have to have all the answers right now. I just have to know it's your voice speaking to me. So, Lord, I pray for wisdom. I pray that as we seek you, Lord, that you will make yourself known to us. Lord, we commit in faith right now. Before we ever see the results, we commit to believe. Our hearts are turned towards you like the psalmist in Psalm 139. God, search my heart. Search my life. Just show me if, if there's something in my life that I need to change. I don't have to have all the answers, but I commit myself to you. You are Lord. And by faith, I'm going to walk this out. Thank you for the people that you're going to put around me. Thank you for the people that you're going to put around this church for, for one another. Lord, as we walk this together. Lord, there are times where it's a journey just for me, but there's also going to be times where it's a journey that I share this and other people come around me that are further along than I am. I commit. I say yes. And I thank you, God, for growing me up in you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Can we say amen?